Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Events for Breakfast podcast. I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host. So how are we all doing today? In the UK it is absolutely freezing here and we've been fortunate enough to have some snow which we get very very excited about and if you're in the UK you'll know what I mean. If you're somewhere like Canada you're probably thinking why are you getting so excited about snow? It's just a little white thing that comes out the air but we do get very excited in the UK and so we've been enjoying it in the wellies, getting out, building snowmen. Now, before we dive into this week's topic and introduce this week's guest, I just wanted to share with you my watch out for the week, which is super interesting actually. Now, the second Rotterdam experiment will be taking place next week on the 18th of February, and it's all about gamification. So in the events industry, we've been adopting gamification for quite a while now, and we've been implementing it into our virtual events quite successfully. So although I'm not an online gamer, and some of you out there might be, what we do know online gamers do really, really well is build communities. They build communities across different cultures and languages, and they collaborate together. Now, what's really exciting from an events industry point of view is that we can look at the gaming world and we can look at it to see whether there's any synergies there, how we can use some of the best practices to build that collaboration, to build that connection and the online communities within the events industry. So it's going to be a really super exciting experiment. And if you do get a chance, go register. It's being streamed live, but you can watch it online, obviously. So that's on the 18th of February. So please do enjoy and let me know what you think. Now, coming on to today's show, today we're going to be looking at the world of exhibition and trade shows. So exhibitions and trade shows are a huge part of the events industry. And me personally, I'm really excited to see how they are going to evolve, especially in 2021, as we think about that hybrid model. And we've got a real expert coming to join us today to talk all about trade shows and exhibitions, and that is Dan Assor. So Dan Assor is the founder of Dan Assor Media. He's got his own podcast called the Dan Assor Podcast. It's actually more of a vlogcast, actually, because he does video them and it is super cool. So you should go and have a look at it. Dan has a huge amount of experience as an events director for large B2B technology shows. So the trade shows across Europe, Dan is your man to talk about all of these. I'm really looking forward to him sharing all of his insight. So let's go meet him now. Dan, welcome so much and thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. And we're going to dive into your sort of expertise very, very shortly. But before we do, if we could start by just telling me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the events industry. Um, Yeah, so I'm not one of those that have always been in the events and exhibition space. I... I graduated from Manchester University with what seems like many, many, many years ago Yeah. (laughs) Uh, with a history degree and uh, thinking what to do next. And uh, bizarrely, my mum was um, at a hairdresser's and said, uh, can you help my son? Do you know anyone? And he knew someone that ran a big media agency called Mediacom, uh, planning and buying media space. 
and he gave me a job. So I was in the planning and buying industry for a bit, you know, booking adverts. This is pre-internet, um, leaflets, all that sort of stuff into magazines. And I then moved on to, he to help set up a software development business. And to cut a long story short, we also served um, a couple of communities within that, of, within the tech space. And around 2009, we hosted an event for our clients. Yeah. And it was the first event I'd ever hosted. Uh, quite enjoyed it. You know, it's one thing either running a publication or building websites and all that sort of stuff. But there's nothing quite like turning up somewhere and meeting, greeting and people doing business and all that sort of stuff Absolutely. and getting a buzz from it. Yeah. So when we exited that business, uh, again, I was like, this is around 2012. I thought I'm going to do my own events. And I thought, right, I don't know what event. So I visited a lot of shows and quite bizarrely, I decided I went to the over 50 show, even though at the time I was 40. <laughs> um, I thought I could do this. The over 50 shows was, was at Olympia, big consumer shows like lifestyle show, pensions, financial advice, all that sort of stuff. So I decided to hire the Great Hall in Alexandra Palace in 2013, right. off my own back, and um, put on the Young at Heart show. So basically it was meant to be like an over 50 show for Hertfordshire, Beds, Bucks, that sort of area. Yeah. Uh, had Nick Ferrari hosting it, the LBC host, Esther Ransom came down, Vanessa Feltz, a load of content, fashion shows, load of exhibitors. And it was a great two days. But I realised I've probably taken on too, too much by myself. Yeah, uh, someone introduced me to a, an exhibition company. And then for the last seven years, I've really been running trade shows. So big tech shows in Paris, Germany uh, and the UK in London. And I had a stint running the Ideal Home Show. Bit, obviously, oh, yes. massive consumer show, which the Daily Mail used to own. We're going for over 100 years and we, we built a Christmas version um, and a version in Manchester and also Scotland. Um, so yeah, last 10 years, probably doing events. Amazing. Um, and yeah. I love the entrepreneurship in that, in terms of you just hired it out and then just got on with it and did it. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, looking back, yeah, as I said, I could have lost my shirt, but um, actually it turned out all right. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, you've talked there about a good sort of 10, 15 years worth yeah. of experience there that you've built up. What is it that you love about the industry so much? What inspires you to get out of your bed in the morning? Um, I think ultimately, as I said before, that, you know, if you've got a client that is invested in you because yeah. they do make an investment in you right yeah. as much as the show and i was dealing so most recently before i moved on from close to still i was dealing with big tech companies that were spending not inconsiderable amounts of money on their stand 30 40 50 grand plus double that on their staff and building the stand and for them to, to get a return on investment you're helping to build their businesses in, in maybe a different area so I think that I think working with the teams internally, because there's so many different facets to putting on an event, whether yeah. it's ops, marketing, sales, content, um, sort of understanding all those different bits to get that go into it. You know, the build of an event, we all turn up as, I don't know, a consumer and go to an event, which is there, but all the work that goes into it, got a massive appreciation for that. And also the industry itself. I mean, like you, the last few months, the time that people have afforded me uh, and I'm talking senior people um, that have really helped people that have moved on from jobs it's quite a tight-knit community right I think so I you know yeah. it's really exciting to be part of that 
It is, and I've really seen that in the last sort of eight yeah. months or so. Those that that events community really coming together from all different sides and just sharing knowledge, um, supporting sure. each other where you can. So completely agree. Um, and, and like you, um, having worked on the corporate side and looking at it from a different perspective, it is about working with all those different people, isn't it? All the different yeah. departments and sectors. And I don't know how many other people in their jobs can say that we they touch so many different people and roles and things within their sort of Yeah, it's really exciting because no two days are the same because, yeah. you know, if you're an event director at a trade show company, however big or small, um, you get involved in all of it. You know, the pre-promotion and as I said, the build and obviously the selling and post-client care and that sort of stuff. Agree. And, um, you know, we're, we're talking here about exhibitions for you because this is something I've, I've never really, well, I've, I've delivered a couple of exhi yeah. exhibitions from an ex exhibitor's side, but I've never really built one and delivered it. And this is obviously your bread and butter. This is what you do. Yeah. So I'm really interested in this sort of side of the yeah. industry. So what, in your opinion, um, are the key ingredients that you factor in when you build a live show? What yeah. you know, with, When we think about footfall and the, the return on investment sure. for your exhibitors and sponsors, what are those key ingredients? What? Personally, I, I would say the key ingredient is the same for any event that you go to, right? Whether it's yeah. an exhibition, a trade show or consumer show, and that's content. Yes. Okay. And, um, you know, whether you're going to go out to, or even it's the same if you go to the cinema, right? Which is an event or an experience. Yeah. Okay. You go there, you see an advert for it in whatever way, any shape or form, and you make a conscious decision that that's right for you. Yeah. So tailoring the content um, specifically for delegates, if you like, for a trade yeah. show is really important. Now, it might seem obvious, but it's going to be even more important going forward, because if people are now going to take a calculated risk, OK, going forward with health or whatever, traveling, they're going to want to know that there's something in it for them. I'm talking from a delegate perspective or a visitor perspective at the moment. Um because I think gone are the days where maybe they just turn up on the hope that it's something that they might enjoy. Yeah. I think it's going to have to really resonate with them. So content's really important. I think from an exhibitor perspective, making sure that they've got the right delegates there, the right audience. Um, and again, that's the same, I guess, for any event. And that comes with being properly um, well-versed in how to get to the audience that these exhibitors want. Yeah um whether they're influencers buyers or all different types of roles and responsibilities in an, uh, in, in an organization so i'm making sure that you match the two together but content is king i know it's been said forever it is but forget the platform forget the type of event going back 100 years is still with content the content and the engagement yeah. that yeah. breeds from that i completely agree and it's an interesting thought and when i was thinking about questions to ask you i was thinking from my experience of working with sponsors um and you know and sponsor and how to how to get value for money for the sponsors as well as balancing it with your delegates so yeah. you know from my travel background we had a lot of events that were absolutely sponsored by all of these sponsors these great partners and sponsors and it was always a balancing act in terms of what the sponsors wanted and giving them value for money and then ensuring that we were getting the right messages out to the yeah. delegates and making sure it's in engaging for them is that a fine balance that you have to deal with and juggle with too yeah i think it does depend on the show because yeah. again i run tech shows for example when actually the delegates and the sponsors sort of have they want to meet each other yeah right on a trade show they're there to do trade so yeah. i guess it's slightly different uh, and maybe another event um so if i'm a delegate and let's say i don't know i'm head of it at, 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 at a firm 
I'm going there because I want to connect with an IBM or someone else. Sure. So I'm hopefully yeah. they're aligned in their objectives in that respect. Yeah. But yeah, I hear you. You know, there's a balance. You don't want to, again, like in any sales process, you don't want your exhibitor shoving stuff down the throat of a potential delegate. So the campaign has to be measured. But you'll find that in the trade show environment, you're dealing with sophisticated people in the marketing and events department of exhibitors that know how to do this um and they're cognizant especially if they're selling solutions which are x hundreds of thousands of pounds exactly. you know you're not you can't yeah. just force that on somebody yeah definitely and I, I was again reflecting on my experience of trade shows and exhibitions when i was thinking about my interview with you yeah and i was thinking you know if i think about the last sort of 10 years now and how i've seen the trade shows from an events industry perspective evolve and they've become a lot more experiential you know they've yeah. been really interactive and there's that, always that sort of educational slash workshop type piece going yeah. on or key speakers and panels and things can you, from your experience, can you talk me through like how you've seen them evolve in over the last sort of 10 years? Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think there has to be, and we mentioned content before, but sort of going more into that, um, you, you know, you, you have to have a level of education, um, but that education needs to be relevant. So the content workshops, takeaways, I guess it depends on the audience. So obviously maybe the more middle management management will go there to to have that takeaway and that, that educational content, the more senior might be going there to have their own meetings yeah. and sort of more sort of high level strategic stuff. Um, but then you curate your floor accordingly. So you might have um, a keynote stage with you know, talking about your broader horizontal topics with a, yeah. with a fantastic speaker. I went to an event, you wouldn't think it's anything to do with IT, but they had the chap, Tim Peake, that was in the space station forever yeah. long. Now, because he was talking more about motivation and all that sort of stuff. So not really to do with, I mean, it's tech evolved, but it wasn't to do with that particular show. So I think, you know, there's, you need a good blend yeah. of content and experiences, as you mentioned. And also that boils down to even things like catering, yeah. you know, what they're having on the day, um, networking experiences, which is going to be interesting how the trade show community develop that going forward, because... A lot of business was done at lunches and dinners afterwards and during the show. Of course. And with social yeah. distancing and stuff, they're going to have to find a way of dealing with that. Yeah, definitely. And, the, and we are going to come on to COVID in a second. Before yeah. we do, I'm, I'm interested to sort of keep it sort of in the live moment for now around sure. key trends, um, yeah. you know, from an attendee expectation point of view, pre-COVID, but, you know, if we're talking yeah. 2019, um, what were the sort of key trends and expectations from an attendee? Was it, was it very show specific that you had to think about what a delegate really wanted? Yeah, I, I guess it depends again. So I, we also, also used to run healthcare shows yeah. and so people came to those shows because they needed cpd professional accreditation yeah. okay yeah. so we ran a show for hospital doctors and also for nurses and to keep their credentials yeah. they have to um uh, get a certain amount of cpd points which they get through attending educational conferences okay so that's slightly different so the content had to be on points um an independent uh, company had to actually say yep this is worthwhile to be accredited and that was a paid for event. So their expectation was in advance that fantastic. If I attend this, I get this amount of points. Yeah. It's all been signed off. So brilliant in terms of a line. The other shows where essentially they were complimentary, the tech shows. But again, there still had to be an, a need and a desire for them to attend and what they were going to get out of it. 
Yeah. So I think it's just communication. Agree. Yeah. Um, on an ongoing basis, and ever more, that's going to be the same going forward. Going forward, yeah. And if we if we now come into sort of twenty twenty, and then now we're just in the the, the beginning of twenty twenty one. Obviously, COVID has massively impacted every yeah. area of events and um, live trade shows. I'm sure has has took a massive impact. So can you talk me through how it has affected your industry? Well, it's affected it in the fact that we the government consider us not closed but we're not open right. <laughs> so you know okay. unlike we, we've struggled from a top line perspective the government has lumped us in with hospitality leisure and tourism wow. right so yeah. they talk about 80 billion um sort of industry yeah the trade fair and exhibitions is about 20 20 million of that 20 billion of that um so we've had a struggle and i've spoken to the chiefs of all the independent um, associations that have been there trying to lobby government to convince government that we need to be separated so you know the hospitality industry has had a tough time but they have been open at periods right we've been yeah. to a restaurant you've been to a pub you can get a takeaway from a restaurant you can't go to an event to um and so it's benefited, benefited from furlough and all that sort of stuff but there's a campaign at the moment that's been going from on for a while called Excluded UK, which is basically 3 million event professionals that haven't managed to benefit financially from any of the government support because they were sole traders or freelancers and they chose that career and they've just been left behind. So from an individual perspective, lots of them have had to move out of the industry and that's gonna be a challenge for trade organizers because yeah. when they come back, we used to contract with big companies um for services like audio visual stand building and stuff like that yeah but those companies subcontracted it out yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna struggle to find people because they've moved on to other industries yeah. so um that's one big impact the second one obviously at the trade show companies themselves all around the world though china and other parts of the world has now opened up again obviously mass redundancies um because obviously we haven't managed to put on shows yes um so it's clearly been a challenge. The positives are the trade show industry has now embraced virtual and yeah. obviously ongoing um, connection with delegates and exhibitors. So I think if we're honest, we weren't lazy. It's just that we were doing well. So there are lots of companies, high margin shows, private equity houses come into the industry in the last 15 years big multiples and so they didn't think about i'm talking about the big boys here didn't necessarily yeah. have to think about changing their model now virtual has given us an opportunity to go back to what you said to connect with delegates on an ongoing basis by providing yeah. content so when it comes to the physical show you've got that connection already agree uh, yes and it yeah. nicely ties in with my next question around the the innovative online platforms yeah. that i've seen grown and I, i've seen some i've been using some of them from a so, sort of corporate um events perspective and they're working nicely um but obviously from an exhibition and trade show that that yeah. has got a very different feel because like you say the networking is is quite key to that isn't it so are you a fan of these um online virtual sort of platforms i think you have to use them for what they're best used for because they're good for content delivery in my opinion yeah, absolutely so you can sit yeah. there and listen you, there's a bit of interaction that's fine monetizing them is incredibly difficult yeah. so personally the trade organs are trade organizers that i speak to it's a package so 
they're not going to substitute physical because you can't substitute that serendipitous moment that you get on site from meeting somebody. Yeah. Um, you can't even though all these platforms have networking lounges online. You just don't. You just don't. It, it's, you know, you go to an event, whether it's a festival or a trade show or even a cruise. Yeah. And you just bump into people. Right. That's and you start it. talking. You can't replicate that online. It's very difficult. Yeah. So. I think, you know, trade show organizers of the, uh, or trade shows of the future are going to be ongoing and the virtual will be a lead up to the physical event. Yes. Well, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. So there's a bit of a blend there, isn't there? That's yeah. definitely what's going to happen. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's not to substitute physical, but it's to give the exhibitor and the delegates another reason to connect in a different way on an ongoing basis. Agree. And what from a corporate perspective, what we're finding as well is that um, the, the sort of on-demand solution is quite nice as well. So sure. whereas we as, as consumers use Netflix on demand and things like that, and these live streams, um, the streaming services for when we want them, can you see exhibitions going that way at all? Can, they, can, can you use some of that on-demand sort of solution? Yeah, I think, you know, all the webinars and seminars and events that all the organisers are doing are available on demand. Yeah. I think yeah. there is, you know... It's a challenge and a bit of nervousness because you don't want to give away everything. Yeah. Right. Because then why would they come to the physical event? I'm talking about from a delicate perspective now. Right. So, you you know, there's this talk about hybrid. What does hybrid mean? Well, I've got the physical event. I don't want to stream everything that's happening on those two days online because then why would people come? Yeah. Agree. So you give a little bit away, but then you'll keep it on demand afterwards Afterwards. for a period of time. um in a repository that maybe only certain people can access yeah so i think they're still trying to find the balancing act um you know there is a thing there that you could think about from a commercialization point of view isn't there around that exclusive um entrance to the post event sort of yeah and you can monetize that it's educational content uh if it's packaged in the right way so I, i think you know all the organizers that i speak to are if I roll back nine months when everyone was scrabbling around to do virtual events, yeah. if I'm honest, just to keep their teams busy. Yeah. Now they've been all learning what these platforms should be used for. Yeah. And, you know, if we think about 2021, um, we're in January at the moment yeah. and already from an events industry perspective, there's trade sh- huge trade shows already being cancelled. Yeah. Um, and then we heard yesterday around Glastonbury from a festival perspective yeah. being cancelled and things. Is that something we're going to see from a trade show perspective, unfortunately? Can you see that rolling into um, 2021? In the UK, everyone is pinning their hopes on September onwards. Yeah, okay. So I just literally got off the phone for a big trade show organiser. They went early and moved their show to September. Yeah. September onwards is stacked. Yeah. Now, there's only so many slots and only so many venues that can host a big trade show, right? Sure. You've got XL, NEC... If you go up to Scotland, you get the SEC. Um, so and you've got Olympia. So and these shows might only be a few days, but they have to take tenancy for a period of time because they've got to build, to build. And, and, and break down. <clears throat> so, you know, if they are all start being cancelled again, we're going to be it's going to be a challenge because yeah. there's just going to be a rush for slots. So I personally don't see it coming back until September. Yeah. Um, some people have put shows in over the summer. It doesn't help that the likes of Glastonbury have had to um, postpone, even though it's nothing to do with the trade show, coming back to 
what people think trade shows are they just lump it in together so that's it's just not good publicity I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that mass um, getting together, isn't it? The mass participation. Yeah, but I understand it. You've, yeah. It takes six months to plan that. So yeah, one hundred. They can't wait. You can't. That's the other thing. Yeah. You know, you need at least a three-month lead time to do a yeah. trade show, at least. So, if the government does not give the industry the green light by May, then we are. Then again, you're looking at you're looking at next year. So, um, yeah. But will, will from a um, trade show perspective, would that mean the year is going to be wiped out or are people thinking about coming back to virtual? Are people thinking about how can we use this? How can we make this even bigger this year? And, and Yeah, I mean, um, they still do virtual. But yeah. as I said, the, the money, the, the revenue generated from it is nothing like a physical. Yeah. The, yeah. the positive, and this is possibly down to survival of the fittest, is that the bigger trade show, organ trade show organisers are going to end up snapping up a lot of shows. Yeah. yeah for not a lot of money which is not good for the people that own them um but that's just what's going to happen there's going to be consolidation in the market yeah because people aren't going to be able to survive and they'd rather take something than nothing there's going to be a yeah. lot of mergers there are already mergers in the virtual space so Hopin purchased uh Streamyard a, okay. a, a few weeks ago yeah and Hopin were worth nothing this time 18 months ago and now they're valued at a billion so there's going to be consolidation in the virtual platform space because there's too many of them. Yeah. And there's going to be consolidation in the trade show space because otherwise people aren't going to be able to survive. Absolutely. So, so you'll see lots of the collaborations there and new partnerships and, and consolidation. Yeah, but also just people being swallowed up. I yeah. mean, that's just the way it is. Um, you know, yeah. so I talk about the UK. Obviously, a lot of the organisers have shows abroad. Yes. China's yeah. pretty much back to what it was before. <laughs> um part, parts of russia people tell me uh dubai so I, I did a live chat with um one of the suppliers that's setting up an event in dubai for eight thousand people so we think about the uk i mean europe still decimated germany france all the, all the big um countries where shows happen but outside of Europe, there is stuff going on. There's glimmers of hope, which is great, isn't it? Definitely. And I always like to touch on this. I mean, it's not really the, the focus on our conversation sure. today, but I have lots of um, listeners that are quite new to the industry yeah. and are interested in getting involved in events. And what's the best way, what's the best route to look at, uh, to get into the exhibition market? Um, it's a good question. I think um, ultimately it's, it's about just having a look around at the different roles and responsibilities that make up an event yeah and trying to understand which one you think you might be interested in so yeah. do you want to do business development do you want to do operations i build do you want to get into marketing promotion yeah. um as we just discussed in terms of interns <clears throat> there will be companies a lot of the organizers have internship schemes um, and it's approaching them, you know, and and if you're not sure about which angle you want to go down, then a lot of companies actually have rotations. Right, okay. So two weeks you do marketing, the other week you do this, and then you'll decide, I guess, what's best for you. Um, but attend events, obviously not physical at the moment, but yeah. jump on some virtual events. I mean, events is a broad church, yes. which is one of the other challenges that trade show industry has faced with government, because events could be a wedding or it could be a trade show it's so, so yeah. <laughs> i think you also need to decide what events you want to get into yeah is it live it. events is it you know so i guess just have a look there's so much content around that you yeah. should be able to 
you know. And I think um, if you are, you know, to, as we had a chat beforehand and yeah. we come from different sides of the events industry, you know, there's, there are definite transferable skills there, isn't there, that you could sort of go across yeah, I mean, to, to exhibitions if you've not done them before? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're a marketeer in another company, uh, sorry, in another industry, or you didn't think about this industry, what's marketing? Ultimately, you, you're there to try and put a campaign together yeah. to galvanise someone and motivate them to go somewhere. Now, whether that's an exhibition or a live event or a restaurant, it's the same. It's the same. Yeah. It's just the platform, the messaging is different, but the outcome's the same, right? So um, operations is a bit different because you're obviously that structure and setting up and logistics. Yeah. I would say that you need to be meticulous and skilled in, in terms of um, time planning, time management, that sort of stuff. Yeah, which goes across the board really yeah. for events, doesn't it? And let's come to you because, you know, we, we've we met because we are both podcasters, which is great. Yeah. Um, and you've got your own podcast and your own business running. So I'm interested just to see what your focus is for the sort of next six to 12 months and how do you yeah. see yourself adding value? Um, as I think I said to you before, I sort of this, I fell into this after I left my role at Trade Show Company. Um, you know, I'd just come off the back of hosting a virtual event, which I quite enjoyed and so I started interviewing some people more sort of long form video yeah so I don't even know if I am a podcast more of a vodcast oh yeah yeah like it so yeah and it's snowballed so essentially I'm building a platform or media outlet sounds very grand um I guess more predominantly for the exhibitions industry yeah um not just in the UK because obviously social media allows us to go to outside so um i've got a linkedin live license i think i mentioned so i'm now doing live shows they'll either be one-on-one -on -one or there'll be panel debates i'm now doing practical sessions so i have a something called the sales floor in two weeks which is um four sessions i've got three sales trainers for event prof exhibition professionals yeah. uh, plus a panel of exhibitors to talk to them about how they're feeling at the moment and how you should approach them um lots of content ideas so yeah i'm sort of formulating a a platform um for the exhibitions community around the world i love it yeah and it, sound, it very much sounds like watch this space watch you because yeah i mean like you, you just well. wake up and have an idea and um yeah. you know you put it out there some might work some will yeah um you know i've got some sponsors on board or community partners that have been very kind some of the big show organizers that are supporting me um and it's, I just think life's amazing because if you look back, probably similar to yourself and a lot of your listeners, do you think you'll be doing what you're doing now three months ago, six months ago, yeah. <laughs> a year ago? We've, we, yeah, we've all been forced to make changes, haven't we? And perhaps reflect as well. And yeah, I just evaluate. I think in life that, you know, you learn when you get older that nothing's nothing is constant. No, that's it. And either people will change things for you or you will make your own change. But nothing, yeah. nothing stays the same. Nothing does, no. And and sometimes when you when you're forced to make changes, you will reflect back afterwards and go, do you know what that that was okay? It was fine, you know, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the dream for all of us is to do something that we enjoy and be able to be financially stable from it. One hundred percent. You know, if you yeah. can find, if you can marry those two, I mean, that's what I've learned as I got older. I'm not, yeah. I'm not an old fogey, but you get you get the point. Yeah, you, know, you get to a certain stage, right, where you think. If I could do something I enjoy and it's, you know, allows me to still have a comfortable lifestyle for my family, then fantastic. So for me, that's the that's the goal. 
Yeah, and I'm going to keep a close eye on you, not not to nick your ideas because we've we're oh, this we'll collaborate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And finally, then, because um, I do think you know, that you've got super things coming for 2021. Sure. Can you talk, tell people where to find you? Where's the best place to direct them? Uh, yeah, good question. My website's going to be built soon. That'll be danasor.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn again. If you just search my name, Dan Asor, A W S O R um youtube facebook uh twitter i'm on at podcast dan that's my handle but yeah generally i i rightly or wrongly i've gone down the route of um branding myself as myself branding my business as myself so um makes it quite easy for people to find what i'm doing this is it yeah and you are the face behind it all aren't you so yep. why not why not yeah. <laughs> do that i agree completely dan this has been an absolute pleasure thank no, you thank so much you. for your time today thank you kelly and uh, i hope uh, your audience um you know enjoy and good luck to all of them whatever they're doing ah a big thank you to dan for joining me today i really enjoyed the conversation and hope you guys got something out of it too if you've got any questions for dan then please do reach out to him i'm sure he'll be only happy to help and likewise if you want to get in touch with me then please do i absolutely love hearing from you guys and if you've got any questions for me if you want to pose any subjects that you want me to cover then drop me a line you'll find all my details on my website storymakerevents.com and you'll find me on the socials as usual kelly Frew. now we've got some really exciting news to share that we have decided to set up socials for the events for breakfast podcast so yeah we've got a linkedin page we we now have an Instagram page and we are on Twitter too. So you will find us online and all the socials and please do come and join the community because we really want to build it up. And I have got a little team helping me now and I'm going to start to introduce them to you too soon. The final thing for me to say is don't forget that if you are subscribed on your usual podcast provider, please do give us that five star rating, share what you're thinking about the podcast and obviously share with all of your friends too. Enjoy your weeks, enjoy your weekends, whatever you're up to and I'll be back next week with more. Take care of yourself. Bye for now.